From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, April 29th. I'm Renee Aiken. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha Senior Editor Jessica Pothering to chat about the state of venture capital investing on the African continent. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Monique. Great to be here. But first, here's what you need to know from the week in impact investing. The S in ESG goes beyond the boundaries of a single company. Corporate social impact extends to the workers in a company's suppliers and the communities where a company's products and services are used. Taking a leaf from the climate accounting playbook, Fran Siegel of the U.S. Impact Investing Alliance rounded up agents of impact to consider how to account for scope three for social. While Elon Musk was preparing to spend billions to take over Twitter, his foundation and XPRIZE were awarding millions to find carbon removal solutions. 15 finalists in the XPRIZE competition got $1 million each and a chance for an $80 million prize in 2025. New entrants can still get in. To win, teams must demonstrate they can remove 1,000 tons of carbon per year, model their costs to remove 1 million tons, and show a pathway to a removed billion tons of carbon, a gigaton, each year. In deal news, Air Company, a finalist in last year's XPRIZE competition, raised a $30 million round to turn carbon into vodka. The New York-based company uses only air, water, and sunlight to transform captured carbon into carbon-negative spirits and other products. Circular Innovation Fund secured 50 million euro from the cosmetics company L'Oreal. The fund is a joint venture between Montreal-based Cycle Capital and Paris-based Demeter to target waste reduction in materials, packaging, logistics, and recycling. And Africure will get up to $15 million from the investor Blue Peak to boost generic drug manufacturing in Africa. TPG closed its RISE Climate Fund at a whopping $7.3 billion. Recent investments include NextTracker's solar tracking solution and Tata Motors' drive to electrify passenger travel in India. Japan's impact investing assets have more than doubled to more than $10 billion. Driving the growth are new impact-focused banks and asset managers, as well as the doubling down by existing impact investors, according to the annual survey by the Japan Social Innovation and Investment Foundation and the GSG's Japanese National Advisory Board. We'll be watching the results of two elections coming up in the next several days. First, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is facing a shareholder vote this weekend on a resolution asking for the conglomerate to assess how it manages physical and transitional climate-related risks and opportunities. One of the biggest blocks of shares, more than $10 billion worth, is held by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Bill Gates is one of the most outspoken advocates for climate action, but Buffett opposes the resolution. No word yet on how the Gates Foundation will vote. And in Ohio, the Republican primary for U.S. Senate includes J.D. Vance, who did a brief stint as an impact investor. An endorsement from Donald Trump has pushed Vance to the top of the pack. Vance is not eager to tout his connection to Steve Case and the rise of the rest fund. It's not just that the AOL founder was a strong supporter of Hillary Clinton. Vance's partner at the rise of the rest included Ron Klain, now President Biden's chief of staff. Read all about the strange bedfellows on Impact Alpha. So Jessica, we're here to talk about investment trends in Africa and the uptick in private capital that's flowing into the region. Let's start with the latest news on that. Wednesday, there was a big announcement in the off-grid solar market. Can you tell us more? That's right. Um, So 
the company Sun King, which many veterans of the impact sector will probably remember as Greenlight Planet, announced that it had raised $260 million in a Series D equity round this week. Um, and that's a big deal for Africa's off-grid solar sector. What's also significant is that General Atlantic, a big U.S.-based growth equity firm, invested via its climate initiative, Beyond Net Zero. And then another potentially big deal is Bbox, which is in talks to acquire Peg Africa, which is based in Ghana. And if that happens, it would be a significant merger in the off-grid energy sector. Uh, there have been a few of those in the past, but most of these companies have been in the market since the early days of off-grid solar. So to see that consolidation happening is really significant. So we're not talking about building huge solar farms. We're talking about companies selling retail products to individuals and families, yes? Yeah, that's the like the portable solar-powered lamps that we've all seen or seen pictures of at least and um, home solar systems, which usually consist of a small solar panel that can power, you know, at minimum a few light bulbs and a mobile phone charger. Um, so a lot of the, the big deals that we're talking about are substantial growth rounds for companies like those um, that have been around for a decade or more. And so some of them, you know, Sun King and Bbox, which I mentioned, there's also D-Lite, Zola, and Copa. Um, they all started around the same time with models that at the time were deemed really tough and actually questionable from, you know, the financial sustainability standpoint. That's because finding and convincing very remote and very low income consumers of a new technology and then educating them on how to pay for it and what the benefits are is hard. Um, but many of them have reached some measure of scale at this point and more commercially minded investors are encouraged by the growth opportunity. So what's the shift in business model or is it just a shift in approach? Yeah, so Bbox and Sun King, they've uh, iterated their original models some, but they've really stuck to their guns on serving the most energy poor. I think both of them report that about 50 or 45 to 50% of their customers live below the World Bank poverty line of about $3 per day. Um, there is also this so-called upmarket opportunity, which um, I think nearly all of the veteran players at this point are exploiting in some way. So Zola, for example, uh, they just raised $90 million last year, and a lot of its business now focuses on selling solar plus battery systems to urban consumers, um, many of whom have grid access, but just not reliable access and would otherwise use these sort of dirty diesel generators as a backup option. So are these deals sort of part of a larger trend in private capital investment across the continent, or is are these more of a one-offs. You, you reported this week that there's a lot of money flowing into the region in general, and maybe that number was around $7 billion, was that right? Yeah, that was uh, from a report from the African Venture Capital Association, which um, they released these numbers in advance of their conference, which they've been hosting in, um, in Dakar all week. So $7 billion, is that a drop in the bucket considering the global venture capital, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, and there's trillions in need around the finance of small businesses and climate change and sustainable development goals. So can you contextualize that for us? Sure. I mean, it, it's true. Seven billion is not a lot. Um, but relatively speaking, it's a considerable increase um, in Africa. So of the it was, I think, like 7.4 billion in private capital that was invested on the continent last year. And 5.2 of that was actually venture capital. Um, and that was, you know, in the venture capital side was as much as 2016 to 2020 combined. Um, the biggest area of focus for investors was um, fintech and then also renewable energy projects. 
So what is the role of the impact part of the of the capital flowing here? I mean, a lot, actually. The So the data from the ABCA found that impact investors are involved in about 40% of African VC deals. Um, I didn't see any data on the stages where they're investing, but I don't think it's a leap to say that they're getting in early and helping build the pipeline for investors participating in these bigger rounds now. Just you know, as an example, Bamboo Capital was one of Sun King's early investors, um, and now Sun King is getting money from the likes of General Atlantic. Um, Bamboo was also behind Bbox, as was Lion's Head and um, Dune in the Netherlands. And Bbox has gone on to raise money from uh, Mitsubishi and big utilities like Angie. Um, one of my favorite examples actually is this company, uh, Trade Depot in Nigeria, that we've covered. Um, the company is part of the informal business digitalization trend that we've been covering for the past couple of years. What they're doing is helping informal businesses and kiosk owners get online and access financial services for the first time. And this is a space that is just flush with venture capital now. Uh, Trade Depot raised $110 million in debt and equity late last year from a mix of commercial and impact investors. We saw a similar company um, with Soco, which was a formerly Soco Watch. They raised more than $100 million earlier this year. So, you know, there's there's some big capital coming in now. So impact investors are here, mainstream venture is here, and we've seen quite a bit of activity even from you know the likes of Y Combinator, for example, bringing very traditional Silicon Valley style VC model there with it. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, I don't think we can you know attribute all of this to impact investors for sure. Um, you, you can't ignore the influence of Silicon Valley and the Silicon Valley tech startup model in Africa or, or anywhere for that matter. Um, Entrepreneurs, they, you know, they have global networks now. They know how to pitch their businesses, even the ones that we write about as impact companies to traditionally um, minded venture capital investors. And so there's no doubt that, you know, that they're bringing in more capital. There's, I mean, there's also great local accelerators and early stage investors on the continent who are doing this too, though. Um, one example that comes to mind is Microtraction in Nigeria. They cut really small early checks to companies. One of their you know, sort of like big portfolio wins so far is 54Gene. They're a Nigerian medical research and biotech company that just raised a 25 million Series B round last year. Um, there's also CC Hub in Nigeria and Kenya, and um, they were an early backer of Drugstock, which is a pharmaceutical supply chain company, and Drugstock just raised a Series A round late last year. So you mentioned fintech earlier, and a bunch of these other deals are not fintech. So what else is really kind of... Um popping in terms of the other sectors. Yeah, I mean, fintech definitely claims the biggest share. I think ABCA's research reported that um, fintech ventures took in about 40% of all venture capital funding or so on the continent. And I mean, that's not surprising given how low the penetration of traditional financial services is in Africa. Um, I think, you know, there there's a majority of people still don't have a traditional bank account. Um, and then there are other needs that are costly and um, ripe for disruption, I think, like sending money across borders. Um, yeah, but after fintech, you know, second to that would be utilities and, and energy services, particularly renewables um, and small business inclusion, which which I mentioned, particularly for informal businesses. Um, but a space that I'm also really excited to watch is what agriculture-focused tech ventures are doing. Um, we saw a couple of sizable funding rounds for these sort of like marketplace platforms. 
that are helping small farmers get connected with um, better quality seeds and fertilizers and teaching them more sustainable growing practices and helping them get financing and also helping them sell their products for better prices. One of the ones um, you know, that we've, we've been covering recently uh, is Apollo Agriculture in Kenya. They just raised a 40 million Series B round this year. There was also um, Thrive Agric in Nigeria that just raised more than 50 million. And just this week, we saw a Ghanaian company called Farmer Line, which raised its first financing round after bootstrapping their business for more than nine years. Uh, the founder actually is our agent of impact this week, um, and we we got to first feature their tech platform um, way back in 2013 when they first got started. So, you know, I think this is going to be a trend to watch because uh, as we discussed on our most recent agents of impact call, these kinds of businesses are going to be critical to the climate adaptation story in Africa and other parts of the world. And I think investors are really starting to take notice of that. Well, we can't wait to see what happens next. Thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot, Monique. And that's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to Jessica Pothering and thanks to our producer, Isaac Silk. Subscribe to get full access to Impact Alpha and the Daily Brief. Right now, we're offering podcast listeners $100 off their first subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code BRIEFING100. Thank you for listening. I'm Monique Aiken, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Make sure to check back for next week's briefing. And until then, take care.